Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life Live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Associate Pastor Chuck Coburn as he teaches from the Word of God. We have back in our sound booth, it's going to sound bad, because if it starts bad, we amplify the the sound, it's just going to end bad. Well, here's the situation. If you start your life bad, and you base everything on bad principles, it can only end one way bad it has to start good it has to start well and this morning i want to speak to you on the subject of starting things off right by making god first in your life if christ is not first then everything else is not going to work it's just that simple it's just like the car stereo if it if i start with a bad equipment it can only end bad if you're trying to base your life And this message is not only for you graduating seniors, it's for everybody. If you're trying to base your job, if you're trying to base your family, if you're trying to base everything on your thoughts, on your education, and on what you can achieve in life, I promise you it will not end good. It can only end bad because it has to start with Christ, it has to involve Christ, and it has to end Christ. In other words, Christ has to be first. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture, and it's kind of interesting, because Matthew 6, 33 is right in the middle of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And it's it's neat, because usually we don't remember things in the middle of conversations. But right in the very middle, Jesus has already talked to the people about how God can bless you, uh, how we should be the salt and the light of the earth, He talked to them about the issues of murder and adultery and retaliation and divorce and loving our enemies. He even talked about how to not be a hypocrite when you're coming to church and you're praying and you're fasting. And it's like right in the middle of his message, he realized people are worried about their clothing. They're worried about their life. They're worried about their family. They're worried about a lot of things. And so right in the very middle of this, he makes this famous verse come to life. Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first. And and this morning, we're just going to look at a few key key words. We're going to look at the word seek, we're going to look at the word first, we're going to look at the word all, and we're going to look at the word kingdom. Four key words. But right in the middle of people having issues in their life, Jesus says, hey, this is how your life can end great. This is how you can change your family. This is how you can have a wonderful life. If you will seek God first, God says, I will give you everything you will ever need in life. So let's look at the word seek this morning. Sometimes when we think of the word seek, we think that the Bible has got all these mysteries and It will take me forever to discover, um, you know, the unknown artifacts and education and information about God's Word. And the truth of the matter is God's Word is very complex, but it's very simple. And the truth is, is that if you will read the Word of God, God will make it simple enough for you to understand. 
But we think the Word of God sometimes is very complex. And we feel like if I ask God, God, what kind of job should I have now that I'm graduating high school? God, should I even take this job in another city? We think that, that it is just so beyond our reach. It is so just beyond our understanding that we'll never get it. Well, folks, let me help you out. If a five-year-old or a seven-year-old can understand this book, there's no excuse for any of us in this building today not to understand this book. It's just that simple. But we have to seek. We, we have to go after it. It's, it's not an unknown artifact. It's not something that's mysterious and hidden. Uh, it's not like the flight of Malaysia. You remember the flight 370 of Malaysia? It happened like four years ago. I think it was March 8th, 2014. It was flying out of Malaysia, supposed to go to Beijing, and this flight just disappeared. To this day, it hasn't been found. And although they still have private companies that are looking for it, in fact, they had a company on May the 2nd discover two sunken ships just off the coast of, of Australia in the Indian Ocean that uh, one was dated like in the 1800s, it was wood, and the other one was in the early 1900s, it was made out of metal uh, or steel. We're not on that seeking with the Lord. It, it's not that kind of, God's not trying to play cat and mouse with you. God's not trying to make the Bible so difficult that you can't understand it and that you can't build your life on it. It's just the opposite. God gave us his love and his word so that we could understand it and we could make sense out of it. Here's what you also need to understand about the word seek. And seek means that. It's seek. It's not an entitlement. The younger generation today feel like they're entitled to everything without doing a thing. Do you understand the word seek is a verb? It's an action. You have to do something. Oh, God, help me. And then you sit there and do nothing. Well, wait a minute. You, you can't do nothing and expect God to help you. You have to do something. Get in his word and read. Get on your face and pray. But we've got a generation right now that feels like, I don't have to do a thing. And God will take care of me. Oh, he'll take care of you, all right. He'll watch you go down the tubes of despair and depression and defeat and failure. Because there is action involved in the life that we live. Faith without works is what? Dead. And so, younger generation, you have to understand the reason why your mom and dads have the things we have is because we worked hard for it. And if you will work hard for it, you can have the same thing. Folks, if you want to have a godly life, if you want to have a home that's not filled of despair and despair, just basically depression and of wreck, you've got to pray hard for it. You've got to seek the Lord hard for it. You've got to live a godly and holy life. That's how this works. There is no magic wand. Let me just be honest with you. This is not the drive-thru. And that's how we treat it. We treat this just like the drive-thru. Come on. You've been in the drive-thru lately? Like I stopped the other day at a fast food restaurant and waited like 30 minutes for my meal. I'm thinking, where did fast food go? It's not fast anymore. But here's what we do. We pull in. God, please give me a verse for the day. We close the book and say, God, thank you. And you don't even remember the verse you read that day. How is that going to help you? How is that really going to impact your life? What we must understand, if you want your life to mean something, if you want your life to have purpose, if you want your home to be special, 
then the very first thing Jesus tells us, he said, you've got to seek. You've got to be actively seeking my face. You've got to be actively going after me. You've got to be actively trying to encounter me and find me so that you will know what your life should be about. So let me just help you so you'll see this. First Chronicles 16.11 says this, Look to the Lord and His strength, and what? Seek His face always. Notice the key word is what? Always. Always. Hey God, this is not like the drive-thru on Sunday morning as I come into church and pump me up till next Sunday. Lord, I, I want to seek you always because I want my life to have meaning. God, I want to seek you always because I want my life to be filled with less regrets, less failures. Hebrews 11.6 But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Not casually, diligently. Jeremiah 29, 13. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Notice those words that we have to continually seek the Lord. We have to diligently seek him. And we have to seek him with all of our heart. I mean, that's it. If, if our lives are going to mean something, and if we're going to impact our world, we have to seek the Lord. That's it. Guys, there, there is no mysterious understanding about the Bible. It's just plain and simple. It means what it says, and it says what it means. God says, if you want your life to be filled with joy and peace and love, then you search for me, you seek me with all of your heart. And when you do that, doesn't mean your life's not going to have issues in it, but when the issues come, you'll have peace. When the issues come, you'll have the Lord's direction in your life. When the issues come, you'll have His favor to move forward and be able to be victorious in everything you accomplish. It, and it's just that easy. We want to treat God, and we've treated God like a genie. That's basically what we've done. You remember, some of you are way too young, but I remember when I was a young child watching I Dream of Genie. Remember that TV show, I Dream of Genie? You can YouTube it later, young people. You'll figure it out. But basically, this astronaut finds this bottle, rubs the bottle, and the genie pops out and gives him the wish. And we just feel like we should wake up and rub, rub God, and God's supposed to pop up and say, Hey, God, you know what? I need help today with my house. Hey, God, you know what? I need help today on my test at school. Hey, God, you know what? You really need to work on my husband because he's very bad. And you just kind of rub God like a genie. Well, folks, God is not your genie. He's your God. And you don't approach him as your friend. You don't approach him as your genie. You better approach him as your king. You better approach him as the sovereign Lord and the savior of the world. And when you do that, he will be all that you need him to be. He is not our genie. He is our God. So we must seek him. If you truly want your life to change this morning, church, we need to be seeking him. But not only do we need to be seeking him, we have to seek him first. First. That's the key, first. Somewhere along the line, we have made God last. We, we sometimes kind of joke about this around the office. Somebody will come in and say, man, I've, I've got problems, and I've gone to the doctor, and they've tried things, now I need prayer. Well, wait a minute. Prayer's last? Prayer wasn't first? I mean, shouldn't prayer be the first thing that we do? But, but we tease about it, and we understand that people are just needing prayer, and they're getting well, I thank God for doctors. But I'm, I'm always amazed that somewhere when life finally gets in trouble, then we say, oh, Lord, now I need your help. 
Once again, let's rub the bottle. God, help me out. Rather than saying, God, I'm getting ready to embark on a new place in my life, and I need your direction. And let me just, let me just throw this in, in for you, church. God doesn't negotiate. I, I've learned in my life that when I try to negotiate with God my life and what I think God ought to do with my life, I, it usually comes back that God ought to do with my life what you want me to do with you. You know, God doesn't negotiate. He's got a plan for your life. And you can negotiate with the Lord all you want. But if you don't do what God's called you to do, you're going to end up in a mess. And you can negotiate and tell God, this is what I'm going to do. And God will say, fine, you go ahead and do that. And you'll still end up in a mess. It's when you say, Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? Now, young people, it was real easy for me. Because when I was finishing up my junior year in high school and going into my senior year, the Lord called me into the ministry. So I knew from that moment on what I would be doing for the rest of my life. I surrendered what God had called me to do. It was easy. And I'm glad I did that. My life has been very, very joyful, very, very wonderful, very, very successful because I have done what God has called me to do. God has called you to a lot of different things. And if you will do what God has called you to do, you will be successful. You will not be regretful. You will not worry about failures and heartaches because if you're doing what God's called you to do, he will see you through to the end. That's just that simple. But it's got to be done first. Now, here's the interesting thing about first. So, you know, when you're, you're preaching, sometimes you want to study the words. First actually comes from the word protos. It means electric. It means first, where we get the word proton from. Literally, they derive the word proton, protons, neutrons, electrons, from this Greek word first because it has energy it's positive do you realize if you seek God first he's going to give you a positive energy now, I'm not saying he won't kind of take you out to the woodshed every now and then but I can tell you when you get up from your prayer time with the Lord seeking him man you're going to walk away positive you're going to walk away with meaning in your life you're going to walk away with victory in your life because you're doing what he's called you to do. But that little word, first, it means first. Just that simple. But it comes from the word protos, which we get the word proton. And protons are at the very center of the atom. So if the Lord is not the center of your life, you will be in trouble. He's got to be at the center of it all. Not you, but him. Now, I, we can have the debate this morning because I know some of you aren't morning people. I am. So it's easy for me to get up early in the morning and seek God first. I mean, I was up at 4.30 this morning. Didn't bother me. Um, now, some members of my family, and I won't mention any names, they're not morning people. In fact, they wish, the sun, they wish that morning didn't come to like noon, and it would be all right. But this word first means as long as you are seeking the Lord first. God, I see a job opening has come up. Lord, I want to get before you and see if this is what you want me to do. Lord, I know this job has a lot more money to offer. It offers me a lot more benefits. But God, I want to seek you to make sure this is what you want me to do. God, I'm not sure I want to get where I want to go to college at. Lord, this is where I really want to go, and it seems like this is opening up. But Lord, I'm going to seek you first. Because I want to make sure this is what you want me to do. And this is where you want me to go. It, it's just that simple. Are you getting this? This is not difficult. 
It's just that way. If we seek him first, he's got to be the first. He's got to be the one that before you do anything in life, before you make any decision, you, you say, Lord, is this what you want me to do? God, is this is what you'd like me to do? Lord, if this is it, then you make it sure. Rather than doing it going, oh, okay, God, was I supposed to do that? God, is that really what you wanted me to do? Let me tell you what, when God gives you the word, you will know it. We must seek him first. It's just that easy. And sometimes we can get so caught up in the busyness of life that we really miss out on the most important things in life. And, and there's a story in the Bible that I can relate to so easy because I am Martha. There's a story in the Bible in Luke's gospel. In fact, it's in Luke chapter 10. A story about Mary and Martha. And Jesus is coming over to Mary and Martha's house. Well, he's coming over to have lunch. Well, here's Martha. She gets home and she starts trying to clean the house and start cooking the dinner. And old Mary just sits down at the feet of Jesus and starts listening. Well, Martha gets upset. She's like, whoa, 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 hey, hey, Jesus is over. We need to clean. We need to cook. And Martha missed out what was really important. Now, now hear me. Cleaning and cooking is very important. Don't get me wrong. But when Jesus shows up at your house, there's something even more important. Look at Luke chapter 10, verse 41 and 42. It says this. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over these details. There is only one thing, notice that word, one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Some translations say that Mary chose the good portion, the better portion. They had two choices. Make the house look nice and neat and have a wonderful meal. And I mean, really, what can you cook that would really fascinate Jesus? I mean, he's from heaven. Come on. Right? But Mary said, whoa, I've got an opportunity here. I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus, and I'm going to listen to him, and, and I'm going to learn from him. In church, we've got to learn not to get so busy. I know some of you think that we pastors, all we do is preach on Sunday and Wednesday and play golf the rest of the week. Some other, well, one of, some other ones play, they fish too, but no, I'm, no, I'm teasing. We're busy. We're, we're real busy. And sometimes we can get so busy doing ministry that we neglect our private time with the Lord. Now you may say, how is that possible? It's very easy. We get so focused on preaching on minister to you that we really forget to sit down like Mary did and listen to the Lord. And so it's just as important for us pastors to get before the Lord and hear him speak to our personal lives as it is our, our, our church life. And what we must understand is that before we do anything else in life, we've got to seek the Lord first. So, probably over 20 years ago, I had a dear precious lady in the church give me this jar. Linda, do you remember this jar? Linda Stalby gave me this jar over 20 years ago. It's full of rice and walnuts. Believe it or not, the original rice and walnuts are still in it. It's been on my desk ever since. No matter where I go, I put it on the desk. And here's what it says. If you pour the rice into the jar first, the walnuts, will not, the walnuts will not fit. If you put the walnuts in the jar first, the rice poured over it will fit all around it properly. And the walnuts represent the things that God wants you to do, and the rice represents the things that you want to do. And notice there aren't too many walnuts, but there are thousands of bits of rice. And if we'll put the Lord first in our life, He will organize everything else in our life to fit properly. 
And you can say, well, you know, I'm somewhere along the line, Pastor Chuck, I read my Bible, not every day, every now and then. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm making God a part of my life. He may not be first all the time, but I'm putting him in my life. He may not be first in every part of my life, but he is first in some areas of my life. So let me give you a, an illustration that'll help you. You may not be putting God first in every aspect of your life. It's going to end bad. Because the Bible says we must put him first in everything. And when we don't put him first in everything, it will fall apart. You will be embarrassed. You will be ashamed. For example, you got up this morning and you did not put on your exterior clothes first and then put on your undergarments last, did you? And I can tell you didn't. Thank you. You could wear that, and I'm sure probably out in California they wear it like that. I mean, but would you be embarrassed? Would you be embarrassed coming to church with your undergarments on the outside? It's no different when we don't put Christ first in our life. We do everything first and then put Christ involved. You will, you will end embarrassed. You will end in defeat. You will end in shame. Because the Bible makes it clear, we must seek First, first, the kingdom of God. And then he says, what? All. All these things will be added unto us. That's a neat word, all. It's just simple. The word all means what? All. all. Do you realize when we seek the Lord with all of our heart, when we continually seek him on a daily basis, God says, I'm going to make sure that you have everything you'll ever need in life. It's just that simple. See, some of us worry about so many different things. Do you realize when you seek the Lord first, He'll help you to make wise decisions about the job to take, the car to buy, the place to live, the people to marry. Young folks, my daughters can quote this verbatim since before they were even born. I said, if you will find a man that loves Jesus with all of his heart, you'll never have to worry about a thing in your life. That's it. Think about that. I didn't say if you find a boy that comes to church all the time, because even Satan comes to church all the time. If you'll find a man that loves Christ with all of his heart, you'll never have to worry about a thing. I've been married for over 20 years. I don't have to worry about a thing. My wife doesn't have to worry about a thing, because we love Jesus. He's first. You know what's the wonderful thing about that? My wife doesn't have to worry about me cheating on her, my wife doesn't have to worry about me stealing from her. My wife doesn't have to worry about anything other than me growing bald and fatter maybe, but um, because I love Jesus. I'm not, I'm not perfect, but I love the Lord. And before I do anything in my life, I make sure the Lord comes first. It, it's just that way. And, and guys, notice he doesn't say, hey, this is for you pastors. Jesus wasn't speaking to a group of pastors he was speaking to thousands of lay people like you. And he says, you're worried about your life. You're worried about what to do. If you will seek me first, and you will seek my righteousness, he said, all, everything you'll possibly ever need in life will be given to you. Nothing more, nothing less. Just that simple. Psalms 84.11 says this. For the Lord God is a son of and shield the lord bestows favor and honor no good 
thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly? No good thing does he withhold. Church, God can give you the very pleasures and desires of your heart today if you will walk with him. You will seek after him and you will love him. This is probably uh, one of my favorite ones. Um, Psalms 34, 9. Fear the Lord. And that's the key, fear. Fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will have all they need. That's it. Fear the Lord. If we will fear the Lord, he will give everything we could possibly ever need in life that's it we just have to seek him we have to go after him first and when we seek him and go after him first then he'll give us everything we'll ever need in life but sometimes we allow the world's um, philosophy and the world's theology to corrupt our thinking well I, I don't need to go to church right now I need to worry about my education first and once I get my college education I get a job then I can go back to church nope that's not the way that works. You know, once, once I finally get this and this and this taken care of, then I'll go to church. See, you're not seeking the Lord first. Wisest men that ever lived, King Solomon. King Solomon became the king of Israel. Could you imagine becoming the president of the United States tomorrow? Some of you say, I wish I could. No, you don't. You just think you know how to do something. Until you get to that place. So here it is, King David's son's been in the palace all of his life, listened to his dad, follow his dad, and all of a sudden now dad's gone and I'm king. And Solomon's very first words were, Lord, I don't even know how to come into this place or go out. Now that's an interesting, you know what Solomon was saying, don't you? Lord, my dad's made me king and I'm dumb as dirt and I don't have a, I don't have a clue how to rule your people. You ever been in that situation where you've been given something and you don't have a clue how to do it? Here's what the Lord said. Solomon, whatever you ask, I'll give it to you. Now, you're king. You'd probably say, well, Lord, I want to have fame and fortune. That's what I want. Lord, I, I want to be the most popular person in all the world. But Solomon was smart. Watch Matthew 6, 33 fall right into place. Solomon says, Lord, here's what I want. Lord, I want you to give me the wisdom to govern your people. Lord, I want you to give me the wisdom on how to be the king I need to be. Lord, I want the wisdom on how to govern these people so that they will be held upright and just and fair. Lord, I want you to give me the wisdom so that Israel will become the nation that you want it to be. Lord, if you'll give me that wisdom, then I'll do what you've asked me to do. And God says, because you've asked me for that. Because that's what a king is supposed to do. God said, I'm going to give you everything else. I'm going to give you the fame, Solomon. I'm going to give you the fortunes. I'm going to give you the riches. In fact, if you read kind of Matthew 25 and following, it'll say that even the flowers basically surpass all of Solomon's glory. Solomon asked God for one thing. Lord, you've given me a job. And God, you've given me... It almost sounds like the genie. I can get any wish. I can get anything you want, Lord. Here's what I want, Lord. I want the wisdom to govern. And God says, because you've done that, everything else will fall right into place. Lord, I want to be a better husband than you get before your face on the Lord and you ask how to be a better husband. 
Lord, I want to be a better father. Lord, I want to be a better mother. Lord, I want to be a better daughter, a better son. Then you get before the Lord and you ask him how. But let me be honest with you. Some of the things God's going to tell you to do, you're going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Lord, I did not sign up for that. That's not what I was asking for. Yes, you were. I want a better husband. I want a better wife. I want better children. I want to be better. Well, then get before the Lord and ask, how? God, I really want a job that will suit me and fit me. Do you realize God has already given you passions and desires of life to fulfill? And if you will seek His face and His will, He'll give you the job that you desire. I can be honest with you. To be, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I've ever really worked a day in my life because I love what I do. You don't have to roll me out of bed to come to River of Life in the morning. Of course, you don't have to roll me in bed at night either. I get there pretty quick. I mean, because um, I love what I do. And the reason why I love what I do is because I'm doing what God's called me to do. That's it. God didn't call everybody to be pastors. God did call some people to be construction workers, law officers, teachers, officials. Listen, God's called each and every one of us for a certain task. And if you will put him first and you will go after him with all of your heart, he'll lay that road out for you so you can get there. And you will be pleased. You will be filled with joy. You will have the wonders of life. But listen, if all you're seeking is riches and fame and fortune, have you noticed all the rich and famous people are depressed, drunkards, alcoholics, drug addicts? Why? Because they sought the wrong thing. But I do know people who have money. And the reason they have money is because they're doing what God's called them to do. You want to have peace in life? Seek the Lord first. And when you seek the Lord first, He'll bless you. When you seek the Lord first, He will provide the way for you. Uh, let me just recall this again. Listen, I never worried about what college I had to go to because God just laid it out for me. I have never worried about a job because God has always given me the job. That's what's neat. I didn't have to go looking for the job. It came looking for me. I'll never forget. I was getting ready to graduate college. And the president of my college comes in and he says, hey, Chuck, um, there's, a, there's a church in Sop Choppy that wants your resume. I started laughing. I said, there's no such place called Sop Choppy. Quit pulling my leg. Come on now. You got to be teasing me. First map I looked on, there was no Sop Choppy. I said, see, Dr. Kitchen, you are lying to me. There, he said, no, 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 really. So sure enough, there it was, Sop Choppy. And when I first moved to Sop Choppy, my friend said, hey, where do you live? I said, well, if you go to the end of the world and go about another 10 miles, you found it. That's where I live. Stop choppy. But I, I'll never forget. I, now, I got to be honest. I was not in favor of coming. And I remember this to this day. I said, okay, Lord, if, if I get along with the senior pastor, then I, I know this is where you want me to go. And we got along great. Well, the next step was to meet with a group of people. And I said, okay, Lord, if, if it goes well with the search committee, then, then yeah, okay. Well, it went well with the search committee. Well, you know, it may, it may, my wife will tell you this, but don't listen to her. She doesn't, I'm hard-headed sometimes, okay? I said, okay, God, if I get a 75% voter better, then I'm going. So sure enough, Henry calls me and he says, hey, we want you to come. And I said, that's not what I want to know. I want to know what the percentage was. He said, well, I was a little upset with it. I went, yes, 
probably got like a 50, 60, and we're going to be all right. He said, you got a 100% vote. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, then I guess here I am. So when I came back, it, wasn't quite, it was not even close to that coming back. Coming back was simply getting before the Lord and praying and making sure I heard the Lord. But what I'm telling you, folks, is that God did not write history from beginning to end. He wrote the world from end to beginning. And he knows everything that goes on in your life. And if you will seek him first, and you will pour your heart into him and let him pour his heart into you, he will take you places you cannot even imagine. He will do things in your life you couldn't even think about doing. But the problem with us, the problem with us is this, is that we're torn between two kingdoms. Notice he says, but seek first the kingdom, the kingdom of God. Because the problem is we have two kingdoms that we live in. We live in this earthly kingdom, and there's also a heavenly kingdom. Do you realize the word kingdom is used 53 times in the book of Matthew? And it's used 167 times in the New Testament. That's how important kingdom is. Because, see, God wants us to be a part of his kingdom, not the world. We live in the world, but we're not supposed to be a part of the world. We're supposed to influence our world and change our world. And young people, if you'll get this in your brain right away, to say, I'm going to do what God's called me to do, I'm not going to do what the world wants me to do, your life will be full of joy and peace. But if you decide to live your life in the world, you'll have broken hearts, you'll have misery, you'll have regrets, you'll have failures. And God can heal you of that, and God can erase that from your life and move you forward. But wouldn't it be better without that? Wouldn't it be better you didn't have to experience that? Some people say, well, you know, we need to have the experience so that we can help other people. No, it's, I, you may can identify better with people who've had the experience, but I would much rather be in the place where I am today. I don't know what it's like to grow up in a broken home. My parents are still married after 50 years. I don't know what it's like to drink. I've never drank. I don't know what it's like to smoke. I've never smoked. I don't know what it's like to do drugs. I've never done drugs. All I know is Jesus. I'm happy. I'm filled with joy. I, I love the Lord. Guess what? You can have the same thing. You can have the very same thing if Christ will be first in your life and you will seek him with all of your heart. But we've got to learn not to chase the world. Matthew chapter 6, just a few verses earlier, it says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and the thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Just that simple right in the middle of his conversation with these people, Jesus simply interjects this. If you will seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. If we will seek the Lord and his righteousness, we'll seek him. He'll provide for you. He'll help you. But the problem for us right now is, is that we're caught between two worlds. I'll never forget when I was a, a, a sophomore in college, I had the privilege of becoming a lifeguard. 
I know this may be a little hard for you to imagine, but I do have pictures, so it's, I'm not lying to you. I mean, I, I had the six-pack. I was ripped. I mean, I was, I was strong. I mean, I, was, I don't look like I did now. I've, I've transferred a little bit, you know. But back in those days, I mean, I had wrestled a lot, lifted weights a lot. Now, let me just say this, and, and some of these youth can tell you, don't let the, the heaviness fool you, because if you grab a hold of me, you'll wish you never had. Daniel in my line. I had two youths about a year ago grab me, and that's like the biggest mistake they ever made. They thought, oh my. I, looks can be deceiving sometimes. So anyway, all that being said, so here I am, this young, you know, six-pack, ripped ab, and we had this instructor. She couldn't have been five foot tall. I mean, one of the few ladies in life that were shorter than me, but it was great. She couldn't have weighed 100 pounds soaking wet. So she says, okay, I'm out in the water drowning. Who would like to save me? I'm thinking, here's my opportunity. This could work into something. I said, I will. So I went out to save her. She liked to drown me. <laughs> well, once again, I'm a little hard-headed, so I backed up, caught my breath, and went in after her again. She liked to drown me again. So finally, when I'm about to drown, I finally just back off. And then she starts laughing at me. She said, see, you've made a mistake. Because when a person is frantically drowning, they will drown you. You just wait till they finally get so exhausted and they have no other choice but to let you grab a hold of them and pull them in. I thought, that's a good idea. I'll remember that. We are so frantically drowning in the sea of despair today. And we're holding on everything the world has to offer to try to keep us afloat. And yet we keep going under. And believe it or not, God has reached out a few times to try to help you. But you keep trying to hold on to the world and hold on to Him at the same time. And you're frantically drowning in despair, in depression, in defeat, in loneliness. And what the Lord wants you to do is finally let go of the world. Let go of your feelings. Let go of the, all the deceit and the lies you believed in and grab a hold of Him so He can pull you safely to shore. And let me tell you what, when the Lord does that, not only will He save you from drowning in your misery and in your sin, but He will bless you by feeding you with a spiritual food and a physical food that will be so far beyond your wildest dreams and imagination. But we have to let go, and we have to grab a hold of the Lord. But I know what some of you are saying this morning. Pastor, I've heard every word you're saying. Beginning tomorrow, I'm going to do that. See, tomorrow, that's second we got to go first. We have to seek the Lord first. And when you seek the Lord first and His righteousness, all these things will be added to you. Isn't it time you let go of your sin? Isn't it time you let go of your feelings and your drives in life and let the Lord grab a hold of you so He can take you to where you need to be? Let's pray. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.